With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to Post Show Recap coverage of Interview with the Vampire. Today we're trying to go to episode 5 of A Vile Hunger for Your Hammering Heart. My name is Grace. I'm here with my co-host, Rich Filiberto. Rich, how you doing? I am so good, Auntie Grace. I'm excellent. Very excited to be back here. <laughs> Uncle Lou. Uh, not Uncle Lou. Daddy Lou and Uncle Les. Uh, as we talked about last week, I don't want the Uncle Les. No, we don't love that. Um, we do have a third, Rich. We've brought in a third into our vampire commune this week. I'm very excited to announce that we are joined by the one and only Latonya Starks. LT, how you doing? Hello. I'm doing great. I'm very happy to be here because I've been looking for others like me. Uh-huh. And now I've found them. Uh-huh. Yes, we've, we're here. Um, our Just eyes are very up. piercing. Yeah. Uh-huh. The we have tour. Yeah. The the really expensive party city contacts. <laughs> That's right. Uh, okay, first of all, I want to say what an episode. Before we do, I would like to remind folks that uh, to subscribe to our feed, pushrecaps.com slash vampire, rate and review us is great. Rich, I'm pretty sure we're somewhere on a chart somewhere for. Yeah, uh, great. Number. I bet. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. love charting. What? That's what but, we do around here. Yeah, but we'd like to be higher. So if you could subscribe, uh, that also means you won't miss an episode of the podcast. And please rate and review. That is all very much appreciated. Also, you consider becoming a patron. And I know it's the end of the month. And typically I'd say, hey, you should wait to the start of the month, but not anymore baby uh whatever day you sign up for patreon it will renew exactly a month from then so you get you won't get billed at the beginning of the month uh each time so that's an exciting new change over at patreon you can join the discord program where there is a lovely little interview with the vampire uh thread channel discussion happening in the discord um this is a wild episode uh absolutely brutal um but before we get to episode five lt we have not heard your thoughts on any of interview with the vampire so i'd be excited to hear your thoughts on the first four episodes or any other interview with the vampire content that you have previously consumed yes so the original interview with the vampire movie was very much my jam Mm -hmm. growing up i saw the movie in the theater 
even though I probably shouldn't have. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I had, I definitely had it on VHS and then I had it on DVD. Um, And then that's where I stopped collecting physical forms of media. But (laughs) uh, yeah, Uh I, I love that movie. And I know that there's a book uh, that it's based on, but I have not read the book. That's fine. So um I know that's probably a sacrilege to some people, but you'll get over it. It'll be fine. People will get over it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. So then when I heard that they were doing a reboot, but you know, a 2022 version where they're going to actually tell the story from the perspective of what seemed obvious from the movie, but was always only in the subtext was that this was a gay couple that was together raising a child and going through all of the twists and turns of what it's like to be in an abusive relationship while raising a child. And I think that this show is cast excellently. Jacob Anderson, I'm so happy that this is what he gets to do after Game of Thrones because seeing him as Grey Worm and then seeing him as Louis are, I mean, it could not be more, it's not even night and day. It's just different galaxies. Mm -hmm. So I'm just happy to see he's got all of the star power necessary to, you know, pilot a vehicle like this. And then Sam Reed is terrifying. Terrifying. Just absolutely terrifying and way too attractive. I just, just needs to stop. Yeah, he is balancing this act of being yeah horrifying and alluring all at the same time. And it's yes. pretty great. Doing yeah. a really good job while doing a French accent as an Aussie. Oh, yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah that is a whole nother layer of like, uh, yeah, quietly impressive that's going on on top of this. Sam Reed is blowing me away. Like, I love seeing Jacob Anderson. Like, oh, my gosh, you give this guy lines. And it's like incredible. <laughs> he can act, right? Uh, I know. Sam Reed, the Lestat portrayal is like so larger than life and like ridiculously theatrical that Sam Reed's like really sold me. And Bogosian is like quietly killing me as Malloy too. Like I I love the Daniel Malloy depiction that we're getting in this. I'm a big fan of Eric Bogosian also just generally. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what I'm getting whenever I get a Bogosian character and that uh that first episode totally threw me off because i was like wait is eric bogosian teaching a master class <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> yeah the a- beginning of the show i forgot that that's how it starts is yeah. full-on daniel malloy yeah yeah such yeah. yeah such and then like like attractive young eric bogosian on the on the jacket cover um and he's doing a really good job playing the pain of someone who is suffering from Uh, you know, a life-threatening disease while also trying to understand some of the ridiculous experience that he had when he first interviewed this man so long ago. Um, I think that they balance all of the notes really well, and he is a good character for Jacob Anderson to play off of. Yeah. Um, All right, let's dive into episode five. As I said, a vile hunger for your hammering heart. And Rich, I thought very interestingly, this is an episode that has a lot of conflict. Uh, Mm -hmm. Claudia immediately is going to run away, um, do her own things. And actually we get uh, another massive time jump in this episode. I believe seven years is how long Claudia is gone for. Um, And this is the first time that I think we've really seen 
Louis and Lestat. This is this is their their biggest gulf in terms of uh, being on the same page and their relationship clearly being uh, unhappy. Um, the other piece I think is really interesting is the examination in sort of how the book is going to play publicly. Um, that you know, in the movie, and I'm not there in the book, but in the movie, there's this idea of what is Daniel taking? What does he want to do this for? He's much younger. And so this addition of Daniel living with Parkinson's and knowing that his, his life is over, they both admit in some way that, you know, this will not be great for them, uh, both mm -hmm. Louis and Daniel to publicly reveal this. And this conflict comes through as Daniel is reading about all the kills that Claudia made. Um, he said, don't judge her because, you know, uh, we too will be judged when this book becomes uh, a public. And obviously the episode ends with Claudia returning um, and this very brutal uh, scene between Louis and Lestat that I think is, is perhaps the most we've gotten in terms of, you know, we've been saying, Let's just remind ourselves that Lou, that uh, Lestat is an abusive partner. And boy, the show is like, you don't need to, you don't have to forget, you will not forget by the end of episode five that he is an absolutely abusive uh, a partner as he beats him up pretty viciously and then drops him from the sky is where we end this episode. And this, to me, was pretty intense, Rich. I'm interested in your thoughts, how you felt overall coming out of episode five. Yeah, I have, I think, mixed vibes here. Like, I know when we sat down to talk last week, I was higher on the episode than you were at first blush. Um, and, and in retrospect, I have a lot of thoughts about it. But this is far and away the most deviation that we have from the book, from the film. We're doing uh, some original things. We're, like, creating time here. And I think uh, I don't mean to keep talking about house of the dragon but there's an interesting dynamic here that's yes. at play in terms of the unreliable narrator right yes where he had louis kind of like telling malloy overtly like this is a performance uh this is a, a like manufactured an iteration of the story that reflects certain things more than others right and so this suggestion that like oh gosh what if like the whole first interview was not accurate and he was kind of like um you know like retroactively cleaning up the history of of these people that he loved and that are so damaged because they are undead monsters of the night right uh, -huh. uh so so I really like was pushing back against like some of the changes, I think internally, but as we get to the conclusion, it's just such a thrilling climax, right? We've been like moving very slowly for a couple of episodes. We haven't gotten this like kinetic explosive, like kind of action oriented violence really like since episode one. Right. And it just like erupts so titanically here at the end when we're looking at like this masterful mansion that we've been hanging out in for five hours now, like just, literally physically torn asunder and then the whole like supernatural element here i mean we met a new vampire who could like play with fire and lestat like can fly right like these are pretty wild things uh the claudia performance really was riveting i think that like to go that deep into the character is a very uh, like compelling way to look at her. We don't get this much POV with her really in the film or the book, as much as we talked about that Kirsten Dunn's performance being like so iconic and so powerful. Um, it's a big change to age her up. We were talking about it in the discord. I know like Emily Reed reaching out, talking about how she doesn't love that choice because some of the inherent tragedy and horror about Claudia is the fact that she is this little girl and, and the way that inhibits her. And I think aging her up is like creates these other opportunities where she can be like 
prowling around college campuses and all this stuff. So overall, I, I think I'm much happier the further I get away from the episode. But watching it, I had that very real like, but actually, this <laughs> isn't what happened. I read uh -huh. the book. You know, uh -huh. so, yeah. LT, what are your thoughts on episode five? Well, first, I actually have a question. Yes. What is the age difference between Claudia and the book movie, this adaptation? She's so, five in the book. Yeah, she's oh. supposed to be like a toddler, yeah. LT. And part of it is like, even though she has this physical supernatural strength, the sheer scale of her is such that like, she's too small. As soon as she goes yeah. out into the street, is like overtly aware to anybody who looks at her that she is like a, a child, a young child, not an adolescent who can like kind of pass as like maybe a young 20 year old right so right. i think in the show she's supposed to be like 14 grace is that right uh in the show something i, I yeah i know she says she has her 18th birthday and she's already been i, I actually think she might be like 16 in the show i mm -hmm. believe kirsten dunce is about uh 11 or 12 in the movie okay. um that's how old she she is um obviously they could like play around with that a little bit but so yeah you think anywhere between like 10 and 10 11 12 probably but it's definitely that distinction of like younger than a 10 year old or like mm. a an adolescent kid right a teenager or whatever um, i don't even yeah. know what to think about the idea that she was five years old and, and that's, in the book in, in the, the book, book yeah that is so wild I mean, one of the things I, I'm I, so used to the Kirsten Dunst performance. So I, I think we said last week, LT on the pod, that we think that one of the reasons they might have gone in this with this route of aging up the character is because if uh, this this actress is going to stick around uh, uh, for a bit, you're immediately yeah. sort of like, what do you do? Oh, she's going to she, you know, if you uh, Bailey Bass, if you if you have her be uh, if, if you cast an eight year old, that's tough. You know, the yeah, Harry Potter exactly. uh, problem that they're all going to age too quickly for you to be able yeah. to film the show. So I think that this makes some sense sense from a from a narrative i think that the the other thing rich i'd be interested to you i've only just got to the part in the book where they're sort of uh have met claudia and i'm interested to you like so there is this idea and i think this happens in the movie as well is that while she is and she doesn't grow she doesn't physically this is how she is stuck physically mm -hmm. she is still developing mentally to a degree like how much how oh, much yeah is, yeah i mean she's like growing up right, right. i mean uh, emotionally like intellectually she's advancing she's growing up she's also got like this preternatural kind of power in her of being a vampire right yeah so she is maybe smarter than she might have been otherwise i mean she's a very like sharp kid so that's the problem right but that, that we reach the stage where we're dealing with an adult trapped in the body of this young child and that's mm -hmm. the real torment that is claudia right yeah, and yeah. so I think that there's this debate about that, that, you know, if she's just going to developmentally age as normal and it's just about the body that she's in, I think that there's a world where this, for me, it does start to to work uh, a, a little bit here, uh, that that she can have some separation from Louis and Lestat here, that she can she can run off because she's at an age where she could sort of be perceived to be, yeah, okay, you seem like old enough to, you have to hang out on a college campus or whatever, um, whereas like a five-year-old would immediately, like, I don't know, I think that there's very much fun to be had with this like a, a five-year-old who, who is i mean developmentally uh, is, is aging but is also a vampire <laughs> right so so and, is, is torture you know uh, is torturing people and killing people also yeah. i i don't know how or why you would want to put a child in that role you know what i mean like that to have a child you mean morally like having morally, a child yeah. be a vampire yeah yeah not yeah. just being a vampire but i guess kind of like everything that goes along with it i i like the idea actually of aging up the character only because 
um, I'm used to the Kirsten Dunst portrayal. So I yeah. see this Claudia and Bailey Bass's Claudia not being that far apart in age. And that makes sense to me. I think Bailey Bass is giving a star turning performance, just amazing and layered and deep and zigs when you think that she's going to zag and all of that. It's really interesting to see her mature throughout the show because when she starts out, she's wearing very infantile looking clothing. Like it's obvious that she is the age that she is because she's wearing, you know, it's old timey clothing for us, but you know, it we've seen pictures and enough like movies and TV to know how kids would have dressed then. Um, and then she kind of starts as she gets older and more mature to live life almost as a teenager or college student. And I think that that's a really interesting kind of transition to have someone make, especially because of the idea of someone who is made so young as a vampire, having this, as you say, rich, preternatural power, but also in a lot of ways being powerless. I mean, Mm -hmm. we, we see that she's unable during the scene that I'm sure we'll get into later, that she's unable to fend off an attacker, which you'd think that her being a vampire, she'd be able to do in some way, but because of how young she was, she's that physically kind of you know meek person uh that's essentially unable to i guess overpower her aggressor her attacker in this case um but it also just gives you a very sped up for me because this is the the part of the story i think claudia's part of the story is where things started to really pick up the pace Mm -hmm. like when she got introduced and i'm not sure how i feel about how quickly everything has gone from like the first three to four episodes that were a lot more not meandering, but just uh, there, the, the pace was such that you could stroll along with the passing years and experience that time almost in the way that the vampires would have been experiencing it. But I guess it makes sense for a character like Claudia to have a more sped up kind of timeline and, and plot because she is aging rapidly and also not at all. And so everything to her must seem like this big blur of things that she can't control. Because if you think about someone, she's supposed to be maybe, what, 14, 15? The hormones involved, just constant hormones, like a teenager, wild. And then, you know, on top of that, she's a killing machine. Yeah, I have to say, yeah, go ahead, Rich. They talk about that a bit, right? Where the stats like, oh, she's got like now this like adolescent appetite, right? This like surge and growth going through is going to be like perpetual. And the whole kind of um, the, the notion of the way that she's evolving, like really lines up with what you're talking about, LT. And the idea that she's young, it's like a year is still 10% of her life, right? Uh, in this like big way, like time is so much bigger and slower the younger you are. I mean, that's a like very real truth vampire or not that as you age, the kind of time starts to like slip by much faster it's also much more fleeting because you've just been through more of it right and it's a smaller portion of your life to live through a day a month a year right um i I think they've done a great job like capturing that aspect of her like really rapid fire development compared to like Mm -hmm. these two old guys who just are who they are right they're they're fully formed people and it's not quite as exaggerated for them right 
Um, I will say uh, uh, Bailey Bass also going to potentially be the breakout star of 2022 when she's also going to appear in Avatar The Way of Water. So, oh! Yeah, yeah just saying. Um, but I... I agree with you. I, I do love the scene when the cops show up at the house mm-hmm. and Claudia goes to her room and is like, there's literally like a man who is not yet dead. She's like been feasting on in the closet. It's so, I felt like this was the darkest episode since episode one, Rich. Uh, I don't know if you, and LT, I don't know if you agree with that, that this is, this feels like the darkest content we've got since that, that first, uh, particularly the last scene of episode one in, in the church that there's just so many moments of just dark from either just like sort of you know the horror nature of yeah the guy falling out of the closet as he's like bleeding and bruised and pale and ghostly uh and she's just like tickled by it um the amount of uh people she's putting them in the river they're like yeah but what 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 happens when the storm comes i don't know um it's just (laughs) i kind of loved all of that obviously you know you you alluded to this i'm not sure that I love the scene with Bruce. Uh, and I'll just give like a quick spoiler, oh, a content warning for a, a sexual assault here. Uh, you can skip ahead a, a few minutes. But yeah, so I mean, part of me feels like the decision to age her up sort of, I wonder how much the writer's like, okay, now we could do something like this. And I just, I have a tough time with it. I get that you, so I think part of the story that has not yet been played out that plays out through this episode is this idea that, uh, Lestat is the only one who understands what the rest of the vampire world is like. That they yes. that that to a degree, Louis and Claudia have been sheltered and 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 withheld. And it's actually a way in which uh, Lestat holds power over Louis in the book. Is that uh, uh, actually I, I was surprised in reading the book how much Louis hates Lestat, at least in the yeah. retelling of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, that he he seems to have just hated him the whole time. But the only the reason he he is so stuck in this relationship, which is not exactly what the show is portraying i think that lestat in the book has all this information like you could leave me but you don't know what other vampires are like you don't know what they will like think of you and assume of you and they'll see you before you see them and they will kill you um and so that has not been something that's brought up but but, but when claudia comes back it does sort of she she calls lestat out on it and this like um that you're withholding this information that that we're stuck here um we don't know and so claudia's begging louis to leave um and louis sort of thinking on it but this is this is a, a change that for the most part up to this point they've been you know are they happy together i don't I don't know if I would say that they're happy, but certainly like Louis is content in some way and is in love with Lestat in a way that, um, and, and, and sees the allure and appeal of him in a way that at least to the point that I'm in at the book, which again is like him years later retelling a story. So the unreliable narrator uh, of it all, Philly, that, um, that, that he really hates uh, Lestat, but that's not what we're getting here. Yeah. And so, yeah, this Claudia story, I think with Bruce, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of it and we'll see how it affects Claudia, but this idea that, um, the outside, the rest of the world is dangerous. They've been fairly protected and sheltered here in New, New Orleans. Um, there's a bunch of things there. I'm really curious yeah. what you think about this scene in particular, LT. But I, I think that like what's so fascinating is the character of Louis in the book. He's a uh, he's a he's conservative Christian, right? He's like powerfully, powerfully religious, and there are strong religious overtones that have not been as present here within the story, right? We get a little bit of that through his family, but he's very much like you were a monster, you were the devil, you have like turned me into like this predatory creature. This is a big part of it's not even so much. 
the actual like, oh gosh, killing people makes me feel a little uncomfortable. It's this overt like, no, this is a sin. This is a sin. I, I'm like right. need not to be this like killing murderer, right? And is, we go is back my to, very nature that of a devil, right? Uh, we go back to like those early episodes of like when he's turned in episode one, and he's kind of walking with Lestatter in episode two, yeah. and like, um, when are you gonna like teach me these things? What are you gonna tell me? Oh, in in time, in time. Right. And right. Claudia like calling Lestat out in this episode, like his love is like a little box that he keeps you trapped in. I think these two men are very much in love with each other, though it's clearly a toxically codependent relationship, like a real tragic uh, clarity of truth that, that some people will acquire in their lives is that sometimes love is not enough. You may love somebody with all your heart, but like that doesn't necessarily equate to a healthy functional relationship. So this whole scene with Bruce is like a real major pivot. I did some digging around. I've not read the entirety of the Vampire Chronicles. I fell off probably like early 2000s. So there's an enormous kind of stack of books that I've not cracked into. I think Bruce is an original character, though Bruce is a name that's kind of important to Anne Rice in her real life. And it's a rough scene to put there. I think part of aging up Claudia has to do with like, gosh, the sexuality in the relationship just with Louis and Lestat, because it is much more complicated than like just parent and child in a, in a very real way. But, um, well, she what said, I, she calls what very good. Claudia actually calls Louis her brother, this episode, yes. which is, I know she's been calling him daddy Lou, daddy, yeah. but when she sees him from a distance, she says, Oh, he needed me as a sister, which I think is very interesting moving forward. Sorry. But even the way like Louis is prowling around the city looking for her, I mean, this is like, sure, we can attribute this to a parent, but there is a desire there that is like more than that kind of, right? Their connection with each other, like, it's all very hard to parse, but I mean, it, it transcends a lot of levels in this weird supernatural way. The thing that I appreciated about the scene with Bruce, um, its insertion is like not something that I necessarily felt we needed at all to tell this story effectively, but they put it there. And then the way that they're going to approach it afterwards and the note that Malloy is like, hey, there's four pages missing here. Right. Did she take them right. out? Because I don't think she would have done that. And and the suggestion that Louis is like, I will not exploit her. Her suffering, her trauma in this moment is not going to be part of like the success of how we sell or market this story. That is not part of what I'm giving you. Right. And and everything that Malloy is kind of like pushing back on him there, it, it, it felt to me like a very fascinating like meditation textual commentary for a bunch of people like us who are talking about TV that depicts sexual violence in ways that are really tough in like prominent and exploitive. And we're constantly parsing this, especially in recent months. Right. So while I don't love it being added, I really appreciate the, the way they framed it and the way that we reflect on it afterwards. Cause that's the kind of like nuanced exploration of this idea that like we don't see in a lot of properties, right? This idea that like, once you put it out there, they decide what it is and it can get away from you. And the integrity that Louie has to be like, no, this is not what this story is about. We don't need to see it. You don't need to read it. It doesn't need to be part of the scene on the show. Right. Um, I don't know if you've read if yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, LT. Yeah. yeah. So I really, really didn't like I have mixed feelings about this episode because I did not like this scene. Uh-huh. I'd like it even less now that I know that there doesn't seem to be any textual basis for it. Certainly not in the movie. Um here's the thing. Again, sorry to bring up House of the Dragon, but we are all very much living in a world of dragons and vampires right now 
It's just what's happening. Um, I said recently, um, and I think this is going to be my new question for to ask when there's questionable content involved. And I was speaking about the childbirth scene that happened in the last episode of House of the Dragon when I asked this. And essentially, you need to ask yourself, when including something, even though there was nothing shown, but that the overture is that it's incredibly graphic and obscene and vile and upsetting, you need to ask yourself, is it additive? And by that, I mean, does this add something to the character that we need to know moving forward? I argue that this is not necessarily additive in any way. There are several different ways that Claudia could have found out that there are big, big bad vampires in the big bad world without this scene having to play out the way that it did. And for it to involve um, someone who you'd meet who seems kind of like a charmer at first, and then uh, it's supposed to be this whole discussion about, you know, he gives her a book on etiquette and how you're supposed to behave that he got off someone that he probably murdered. Well, he um, white knights for her too, right? That's how they meet as he comes right. and he like fights off the, the bullies. Exactly. Right? Um, try automatically winning her trust as a result of that. I, I just don't understand what this adds to Claudia. I think that's the point LT. I think I, you're nailing it. I don't think it adds to Claudia. I think it's additive for Louie and Malloy is, in the room after which the fact. Is why so that, I yeah. have a problem with it because I'm not about having uh and I'll call it a, a depiction of sexual assault even though we don't see it and I'm thankful Believe me, I'm thankful that at least we don't have to see anything happen here. But to have two men discussing it, and even if it's a, if they're saying that they don't want, if Louis's whole point is I don't want this to be exploitative, then don't tell that part of the story, right? Um, and don't don't set someone up for that type of exploitation by sharing that secret with a third party because why do you know this because you've been reading her diary and these are private thoughts i i may be just like a lisa frank girl at heart but i take diaries pretty seriously or any of my notebooks that i'm writing in you don't get to touch it you don't get to go in there you don't get to read what i'm saying that's and weird lt i have your diary here and it says i don't mind if anybody <laughs> reads this part live on a podcast so that contradicts what you just said it really does <laughs> i really love the way Sorry. that you're framing this lt because i feel a little bit like manipulated you know in that sense like i'm with you like I, there's part mm -hmm. of me as soon as we get into the scene i think we get a lot of exposition that is coming from this character bruce we get a little bit of like clarity but he is white knighting and he is a predator and he's like yeah. taking advantage of her then and there is that part of me that's like what why are we doing this like this has not existed in any of the iterations of this story i've seen before right. why does this need to be here now and if so, it's to add yeah. for louis i'm sorry but go no. ahead no, no, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. Just the idea that I felt in the end, like, oh, well, I appreciate at least that they frame it in this way. But at the same time, it's like, well, yeah. you only had to frame it this way because you chose to crowbar this in, do it in the first nowhere, place. Right? And if yeah. it's only to, to lend some type of, um, uh, to tell the audience that Louis is an honorable person or that he deeply cared about Claudia or that his life went to literal shambles when Claudia left, 
the raccoon in the house showed us all that. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> like, so, yeah. Got it. Well, and the fact that he leaves in the part just before, right? Because he essentially needs to say to kind of to Daniel, he's like, look, a thing happened and I ripped out the pages that tell you exactly what happened and you can't have any of that. But also you can't even allude to the part that I didn't rip out, because, but I needed to put it in there so that you know that she was abused. Uh, you're right. It's like very complicated, right? He's like very right. complicated. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is really hard, I think, to, to talk about uh, just as a topic in general. Um, mm-hmm. But also without this is episode five of a seven episode series. So in terms of what it means for Claudia, the one thing I'll say is that I do want to give the show a little bit of they, they have time to show why this was in here and and how it affects Claudia. Because I think that there's one, I think that, you know, I I came pretty strong on the House of the Dragon Pod and said, you know, I don't think that that was necessary. I, you know, I don't think we needed that. I asked, you know, some people to like, you know, let me know. And they were like, yeah, I felt like it was too much. And then I saw from multiple people saying, and these are women who have given birth, who said that the fact that this happens, I'm glad that it's being depicted on TV. And we can argue about how, uh, uh, graphic it is in terms of needing to show the reality. So, and then I look at this situation, I think, yeah, this is a thing that happens. And part of this thing is that, you know, uh, Lestat is withholding information, but he's also not wrong that other vampires are dangerous. He's also not wrong to think if you go out in the world, it is going to be very tricky for you to navigate the outside world. And having me would actually be helpful, but he does it in a way, there's a way to, to do that. You know, as a parent, this is a thing that parents conflict with a lot about like when do you tell your children about the dangers of the world and knowing they're entering the world and how you navigate those conversations and some parents you know and so like louis lestat is doing it in a way that's entirely abusive and it's like he should be up front these are by even by the time we see we see on the show uh claudia say oh it's my 18th birthday so she is you know if she doesn't look like it she is an adult louis is obviously an adult like they can understand if you tell them the realities of like okay here's the deal vampire training 101 here's all the stuff that's happening right but he doesn't do it because he's withholding information and Mm. so Again, I think part of the issue is in this episode in particular, this thing happening to Claudia mostly serves everybody else's story instead of Claudia. But there is room, I think, moving forward. And this is my, my one of my problems with Game of Thrones, that often these shock moments would happen. And then we would afterwards, then in another episode later, we'd get the fallout. But, you know, if we take this as a one fully contained, at least one season, I think many of us are hopeful that it will be multiple seasons, that the Claudia story has room, how this thing affects her, right? Like, I, I you know, that is a story that can be told. And, you know, and this is an interesting lens to look at it of this woman who was in many ways powerful actually you know what I'm, this is a, a wild analogy but actually reminds me of the crown to a degree i feel like i'm spoiling every other show on tv but Do the it. idea of the crown and this is a true story is that queen elizabeth is an incredibly like 
powerful privileged person and also because she's a woman is ha, does does not have privilege in some ways in the ways that she jutted up against that and so i actually think like you know it's not one-to-one it's not apples to apples here but with claudia there's this way in which like she is a vampire she is one of the most powerful beings on mm-hmm. earth and yet there are other ways in which she because of when she, the age at which she was turned because right. of the things that happened because she's a woman specifically um she's the only mm-hmm. woman vampire we've seen on the show um mm-hmm. and, and um this is you know an introduction into that well yeah vampire society is not going to be you know all hunky-dory for claudia either so i will say i i i don't think it's great i think the fact that we actually the van, the pages are ripped out of the book and that in in the way that the narrative device of this show is is that it's daniel interviewing louis and and louis has ripped out those pages well now we don't get the exact thing that's probably the most needed in this episode i think from our perspectives is any insight into into how, how claudia feels about feel. this right because right. Because it's it's told to us because we know everything we know up until the page is ripped out that Claudia is abused. Mm-hmm. What we don't know is what happens next. How does Claudia feel? How does she move forward? Why does she decide right. to return home? Right. And that's all the context that I think if you're going to tell stories about women who are um, abused, women who uh, uh, live in patriarchal societies, women mm-hmm. who struggle, you need to put the spotlight on them. And, and so what I'm saying is I'm hoping that moving forward we get some of that. But this show opted for a device about Louis and Daniel and, 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 and kind of Louis white knighting a bit for her as well. They're all, all reading her diary. So what's the the problem now that they chose to do this? Yeah. And yes. And, and the, yes. And it's left up to the imaginations of men. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. Like instead of figuring out what Claudia actually thought about this thing that happened to her, it's left up to the imaginations of two men. And ultimately, if her story is in this book, the masses. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. I, I do think co-sign uh, out all that. There's like an interesting point that you're identifying there, Grace, of like her power and her vulnerability. Right. And that's like a big theme that Anne Rice is very interested in, in terms of the way that she's using vampires as this medium. Right. Uh, I think it like exists across a lot of them, though very acutely with Claudia in the ways that you're describing. And uh, yeah, to the extent like, you know, it's I think it's also playing off the other side of the scene where Malloy is analogizing Claudia to Charles Manson and it's like look man she's like a brutal little monstrous killer there's like a remorseless like uh like glee in this list of like murders that she has committed right and Louis is desperate to convey to Malloy no like it's more than that she's a victim of circumstance right and like there's Mm -hmm. more to her than that right and so um everything that you said like still really stands right but I think that that's like the important part of like we we can't talk about the showrunners but we can't talk about louis and like why he shares this information right he's desperate for malloy to humanize her at least to a degree and like try to empathize with this girl that was put in this circumstance entirely beyond her control right yeah um so it's very interesting and again there's two episodes to go and rich i'm more and more on board that like the book number one they did not get through all of book number one um um, by this by this point so in fact that uh that that without spoiling anything anyway that's it i'm interested to see what claudia is is like um moving moving forward and how much they they put a spotlight um 
on her. I mean, I guess the other really big moment of this episode is is the actual end. So when Claudia comes back and wants um, Louis to leave with her and they call out Lestat and Lestat and Louis end up fighting in this brutal, horrific uh, fight that uh, Lestat very clearly gets the better uh, of Louis. He's he's much more powerful mm. um, than Louis at this point. Um, it is a brutal scene when he, when he is dragging him by the chin is one of the most horrific scenes I've seen on television. And then somehow I'm like sitting there being like, this is beautiful. When he like flies, <laughs> like overlooking <laughs> all of New Orleans. And I'm like, this is monstrous. But it's, it's, it's really like the beautiful scene of like in the moonlight, him holding him. And I was like trying to predict as I was watching. He's like, let me go. And I was trying to have like, okay, what, what's the cool line Lestat's going to give? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. as, as you wish. Or anything for you. Anything for you. Anything for you. As I, I was so good. I think I said, I was like, out loud, I was like, oh, as you wish. And he was like, no, anything for you. He's like, it's so much better. And he yeah. drops him. Um, and that's where we end, which again, uh, Rich, this is a big pivot uh, uh, from, from the books. Um, but how did this feel for you? This like final scene of, this is really... I know in episode one, he was a horrific monster as he, he looks up and he's gleefully, you know, the blood is draining from his lips as he's killed two priests. But this is like, yeah, he uh, he's supposed to love him. And he I mean, this is the most like he's an abusive partner that we've seen so far. Oh, yeah. I know LT is the horror aficionado of yeah. the three of us here. Right. But um, that's the beauty of what I really love about Anne Rice. One of these things is like the beauty in the horror. Right. It is this very like beautiful, ridiculously romantic kind of gothic scene in that way as we're flying over the city. And it's a huge pivot. Uh, I mean, even if you've only just seen the film, uh, the scene where like this conflict comes to a head in the film is much like it's basically verbatim what happens in the text right uh, and I won't let go into the details necessarily and spoil it but it's a much different kind of climax the way that it comes to a head the the kind of outcome plays out wildly differently and we end up in this kind of plantation house surrounded in fire it's a whole different kind of like a dramatic mess that we're playing out through what I loved about this was the way that it really I think showcased the like power of the brutality of these vampires right we've seen a few points of like louis kicking the door in at the sister's house and like obviously the whole church scene in the opening and the way the Lestat like manages all that we get the scene earlier this episode where they're dealing with their buddy here old boy the politician he's been tapped by baton rouge right and Lestat proceeds to like freeze every person in the saloon and is like cutting on the guy's face and there's just this power there i mean we saw like a lot of like vampiric supernatural magic i guess um and the way that like this house that we have seen immaculate filled with guests like so over the top there's secret passages Claudia's got like mm. the little hidden compartment in her bedroom they got the secret chamber of coffins as an incinerator for the incinerator sales displays out in the courtyard like all of the extravagance and opulence just collapsing around them the decay the like the way that they're also like blocking it as we're tracking with claudia this child like overwhelmed by the terror of the fighting parents mm -hmm. and like uh you know here's the overshare for the week but like that like harkens back to experiences i've had as a child in like such tangible overwhelming ways of like being this child in a house with your parents when like there's conflict that you can't quite parse or or like manage or diminish in any way right and the way that like they're yelling back to 
we're like, it's fine. It's going to be fine. You know, we hear Lestat in the midst of this, like, I'm trying to restrain myself, you know, and we end up with like this complete, like catastrophic climax of him up there, like pleading. He's pleading with Louis. I've waited patiently in vain for you to love me as I love you. Now, this man is an abuser. He's a manipulator. He's groomed them. Like he's done all this terrible stuff, but um, he is clearly like in pain, right? Like this is Lestat's pain exploding outwards around all of them. And it just, it really is riveting, right? Yeah. Um, what do you think of all this? This uh, like final scene, even the, the the time spent without Claudia, the, you know, sort of depressive state, LT? Yeah. So the depressive state was really uh, something to to witness because it's just very realistic. Um, the idea of Louis saying, uh, I stopped performing the role that Claudia said that I always fulfilled, which was as, you know, essentially a housewife. And the idea that because Louis stopped being responsible for cleaning, Lestat just refused to do it. And so there was both of them kind of like stuck in this cold war over this house. And we see that it's that, you know, there's the detritus everywhere of just years and decades of life that, you know, is building up around them, almost entombing them. I mean, they have coffins that they sleep in, but this house is a, is a big coffin. It's, it's a murder house with an incinerator to boot, you know? Um, so that whole, the imagery and the set decoration is very, very realistic. And it's realistic for a person who's depressed and cannot bring themselves to clean up their space. And also, he, he like feeds he, on animals. So the fact that there's a yeah, raccoon around, that's just bad. That's just food. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Hungry. Yeah. Um, so it, there's that part. There is the very real part, Rich, uh, and thank you for sharing, uh, being comfortable to share your story there about being a child in the midst of two fighting parents or, you know, they don't even have to be your parents because like there was the, when fighting happened in my house, it was like, it wasn't between my parents because my parents were never together. So it's, you know, just like adults that are raising you that you look up to and the way that you kind of um, prepare yourself for what that's going to emotionally do to you and for what it's emotionally doing, especially if there's a person who's most likely the aggressor, the most often aggressor, in this case, Lestat. So it's a whole you know, pattern of this knockdown drag out fight happening at the same time that Claudia is pleading with Louis to leave with her because he doesn't deserve any of this screaming. Stop doing that. He didn't do anything. You know, you try to intervene and we see her try to intervene several times, but she's literally just overpowered by the stat. So she's abused physically as well. And he leaves the person that he supposedly loves the most. Lestat does a crumpled mess on bloody mess on the ground dropped from an incredibly great height and the thing that's wild about it is that the way jacob anderson is playing it is that he almost doesn't even register caring about the fact that his existence is in danger he wishes that this would end at this point 
I mean, that's very much Louis from the film LT, right? Like we opened the film with Brad Pitt, like wandering, like I was, I was courting death. My right. wife and child died. Yeah. Like there is this fatalism to Louis and this kind of like uh, willingness to roll over that. Like that's part of like what Lestat is always kind of shaking him about of like, Louis, you know, get with the program. Like, do you not want to live? Do you not want to savor it all? And there is this kind of like abject acceptance of, of the way things are for Louis that it's like, mm-hmm part of just his his tragedy to the core of his character. And part of his race, I think, as well. I think it's very oh, yeah. important that they change two of the leads characters' races. Um, and given that, you know, this is a man who's growing, a, a Black man, you know, who is part Creole, who's growing up in Louisiana, and he's the sole Black person doing business with all of these white people. It's ingrained in you. Uh, from a young age when you are from the South, because I've I've seen it with my grandmother, it's ingrained in you that there's a certain amount of respect that you're supposed to at least play and giving to white people. Um, Even if you are uh, richer than them, Mm -hmm. even if you are, your business is better than them, even if you're helping keeping, keep them afloat. Uh, And there's a type of oppression that's very specific to what a black man at that in that day and age in his profession would have experienced where he has kind of as a coping mechanism learned how to suppress as many emotions as he could because if he didn't that's the type of thing that gets you lynched it's part of what's brilliant about this change because it's just so resonant with what the character always was right and we can make this like really radical change to really crystallize the story in a new way while like carrying all of kind of Anne Rice's like intentionality in writing this guy uh, forward it's I, I just I love it I love that they made this choice I think one of the things that this episode does really well and the last episode did really well, um, I guess the one before is that there are so many ways that I think, you know, and it's the society and all of these people, all the, you know, all the external forces in the society, do they not want Louis because he's a vampire or they wouldn't have wanted him for all the other reasons he exists. So um, he, his business gets run out of town. It gets burnt. Uh, it, literally, they they um, the white folks set it on fire after the 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 killing of the um, the council member or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he the police in this episode show up and at the end they try to say like you know well we'll we'll be reporting how you treated these like t- you know us too and they said well you know I'm uh, pretty sure there's a fine for indecency you know right. so as a as a as a black uh, man he's mistreated by society as a gay man he's not wanted by society uh, in this episode he goes to visits grace uh, at the at the uh, gravesite of their mother and uh, grace says you know we're we're leaving and and you know we don't know who you are and they look you know you look at the gravestone and they've already They've already buried him, right? Uh, they literally buried him, but but he has a gravestone with his name on it. It says, you know, he's dead October 18th, 1930, beloved brother. He's not her beloved brother anymore. Um, so there are so many ways in which he just can't exist in society, whether it's because he's a vampire or because of these two other, you know, important things about him, about his identity, which is being yeah. a black queer man. He is just not wanted, Um and and so I think, again, the idea like that's a big, I think, motivating factor moving forward to try and figure out, OK, how, you know, what do I need 
to do to be to be wanted um on, so. on a slightly different note can i just say one thing yes not about this episode but i have yes. to say it i cannot believe he didn't eat that baby <laughs> uh, did you eat the baby did you eat the baby did you eat the baby you eat the baby louis did you eat the baby uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll say, uh, in, uh, I think you said this, did you explain, did you explain uh, the, the Claudia, uh, how she has turned, uh, Rich last time? I believe you did, yeah, right? She's did. five, I mean, she's with the mom and then he feeds on her. Uh, he's yeah. like, has not eaten. And that's the thing that they haven't really been uh, showing. Cause there's this idea in the movie that it's such like, you can sustain yourself on animals, but you are like a weak vampire. Right. You're, a, of, you're yeah. not going to be a powerful vampire. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the things you lose without the text, right? Like, there's only, like, so much of the, like, greater perspective we can get without it just being, like, exposition of Lestat being like, Louis, you're so weak, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, it is this, like, meager subsistence. There's also this whole dynamic to the kiss, the bite, the drinking of right. the blood. This right. is euphoric. It's ecstatic. It is orgasmic. Like, even the intimacy, the physical sexuality that they're all engaging with with one another, it's a pale kind of imitation to the like full-throated kind of like overwhelming sensation that is to drink the blood the drinking of the blood is like the greatest single most overwhelming sensation of feeling that you can have once you are transformed into a vampire right and so louis is not only physically like repressing his urges and keeping himself weak and muting his own strength but he's like subjecting himself to this very like martyr like almost like monastic kind of like thing right he is mm -hmm. like shutting himself off from like the greatest like pleasures and satisfactions that he can have right um and it's a really interesting dynamic the whole scene as it plays again in the film like it's almost a one for one where he finds Claudia dying and he feeds on her. Right. And he's the one like turning to the stat, like, Oh my God, please. You can't let her die. Like I can't, I can't deal with this on my conscience. Right. Do something. Um, and we get the tag here that like, Amidst the many like macabre collections that Claudia is gathering of like the fingers and the bodies and the half dead people in the closet, she's trying to turn people consistently and has been for a time. She's mm -hmm. finding all these partners and it's like, that's great that you two have each other. Who the hell am I supposed to have? Who do I get to like take forward? Right. But again, it's like due to the physicality, like we it's it's less clarified here, this kind of interpretation. But she physically like does not have the volume of blood to be able to kind of transition somebody to feed somebody over in that way. And so there's this desperation coming from her of like, I'm incapable. Not only am I physically incapable of walking out of this house and like existing on my own, building a real life, I'm incapable of developing any kind of like even seemingly normal relationships with these other people. And I'm incapable of like finding my own immortal, unholy companionship to like bear this burden yeah. that you've placed upon me. Uh, it's all yeah. like, so, you know, compounding. Right. And also, my parent just called me a mistake. Yeah. That yeah. is, it's so brutal. I mean, yeah, Lestat hates her, right? There's this resentment there. He loves her, but he resents her so deeply. It's all like, it's very right. dark. And it's all just, it's, it's Lestat being jealous. And, you know, it, it's very true the way that uh, Bogosian puts it and says, you know, you, you realize that having the kid didn't fix the messed up marriage. Um, is it, is it this episode where Lestat tells Louie, read her mind, Louie, or yeah, read her mind, read her mind. And she's like, uh, 
right? She's she's it's it's early in the episode, I think, where she's doing and, and Lestat is like, you need to read her mind so that I know what because I can't. Right. Uh Oh, that yeah. was last I time, think I think, in the beginning of this time. one. Like, you know, Lestat, Louis is saying, like, she's not eating. She's not eating. And Lestat's like, yes, she is, dude. She's, like, going right. out and doing what she wants to do. But it was the beginning of, like, last time where Lestat's like, oh, I see what's going on here. I see what's going on. I'm right pretty here. sure in this episode, he 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 almost, like, demands Louis to read her mind so that he can understand what's happening oh, in this situation. I believe that that is in this episode. So much happens. Yeah, it, yeah. It's very possible. Anyway, he's just more like demanding and he's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Is there, I mean, I think we've talked a lot about this. Episode. It's a lot. It's, it, you know, there's actually not a lot, a lot from like the kind of, but it's a, it's a lot in terms of like this episode. I think, you know, there was a couple episodes, Rich, for, you know, I think it's episode three. I was like, this felt pretty plot, you know, wheel spinny until, you know, okay, but now we've met Claudia. Um, and then last episode is obviously the introduction to Claudia, um, but it felt like we moved pretty quick here. And so I, I'm intrigued to see where the last two episodes go. But is there anything that we did miss from this episode? Uh, LT, do you have anything? For, yeah, go, go for it, Rich. Oh, yeah, just a few things like some of the writing, you know, the writing is so sharp on this show, but there's just a few lines that are like absolutely masterful of like the guy in the, in the, in the actual saloon talking about like this one of these temperance fart knockers running up against me. Some of the lines <laughs> of like I, I find this makes for uh, I've got some deputies searching upstairs makes for a much more efficient intrusion, you know, right. some of like the writing in this style of like the sort of like Creole Louisiana language is like really great. I really did think like the Bogosian Louis interaction. I'm finding like so much more and more compelling as we get to that point and kind of Rashid like articulating that like, oh yeah, he can't like really control himself in terms of like when you push on Claudia, that like whole interaction there felt pointed. Um, and then the other big thing that I just want to flag is, is Claudia's research, you know, while yeah. both Claudia and Louis have taken these years, these seven years to like imbibe information to, to learn, right. As Louis like trapped in the house, reading and mocking Lestat for like, oh, I could be like you and read the first 10 pages and like, you know, feign uh, an education here. But Claudia has a very focused area of study right as she goes to like matriculate through this series of universities that she's kind of like killing her way through she is very much looking for like answers to the vampires and she's finding them in the old world right and mm -hmm. i do think just circling back to the bruce of it all and like we didn't like it for all the reasons we articulated but i think one of the really important notes that does advance claudia there is like she learns oh okay this guy was turned in the old world in Copenhagen and like there's prominence there. That's kind of like what turns her direction, like looking that way to an extent. And so we should just be like clocking that going forward. Um, yeah. Th those are the big um, things that stood out to me. Rich, I have a fun one for you. Uh, this week uh, ended uh, a pervasive theory that was going around on Twitter about who a certain Rashid could actually be. Oh, um, okay. Do you have a guess as to who he might have, who people thought he might have been? And when he gets uh, uh, sucked on, when he gets his blood drank at the table, uh, it ruled out a theory as to who he could be. I maybe we shouldn't say. I'll just because then I think uh, I don't know. I feel I'm always like about like feel like we're spoiling. But there's a certain character who I think you and I have both been excited about. Who's in the movie? Who's in the book? That people thought maybe that's maybe that's who Rashid is. But I but him being eaten, I think completely. Is it rules a desperado? Out. Is it a desperado? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, that's yeah. who I thought they thought okay. he was. Yeah. So it's a desperado. Uh, okay. I didn't really think that, but I thought it was kind of fun that people thought it might be him. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't. I don't think that really fits uh, him. But yeah, Rashid, we see him being drank on. Um, uh, he he again very defensive. Uh, 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 
here in this uh in this thing uh oh it's it is um Oh, uh, Louis calls out Daniel for thinking about how much Rashid weighs, which is very funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the fact that he knows and that this guy consumes uh, particular foods is also really, yeah. really Pineapple interesting. Pineapple and honey. Pineapple yeah. and honey. Um, I did think there that we didn't, I don't know how much you talked about, but the the power that uh, Louis displays on uh, Daniel, I, I did not know what was happening. Um, mm -hmm. I actually thought it might have been, I thought at first very weirdly that like Daniel was mocking what happened to, to in the situation, but no, it's it's actually Louis exerting his power and forcing Daniel to repeatedly slap the table. Well, he like um, flares up the Parkinson's, right? Isn't that? Oh, that is what it is. Yeah. I yeah. see. I see. It he is. like antagonizes the sickness. That's really brutal that's yeah. really, really evil. cruel yes. it is very yeah. cruel it's... but i think we're supposed to read it as almost like reflexive and reactive there's like Definitely. a measure of Rashid it she calms like... him down yeah yeah uh lt anything uh anything we missed from the episode no i'm pr i i think you covered all of it i i just really like this show the foundation of it was immediately something that pulled me in um, all of the characters. I loved the scenes that we got to have with his family. It's sad that we don't have those scenes anymore, especially with the way that his brother died and mm -hmm. how tragic all of that was and his relationship with his sister and how that deteriorated because, you know, he almost ate that baby. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a wild show that is messy and beautifully shot Mm -hmm. well-written and it's just kind of fun it has a, a different attitude about it if that makes any sense yeah for a show that we've just talked about like these partners almost kill each other just like a the scene with claudia like super fun super fun <laughs> somehow yeah. it is somehow, like, it somehow is. it's like like a, a bad um not a bad like a very good um soap opera vibe to it um absolutely it's the yeah. drama it's yeah. so over the, the top right it's amazing. all so like operatic and theatrical yes. i'm curious lt before uh, we part ways here have you ever seen queen of the damned the 2002 film so I, that is yes. a part of the vampire chronicles i mean that's like direct and rice oh, yeah. canonically like connects to all of this stuff and it was unfortunately not that terrific but um it, I'm curious wasn't, to see. it wasn't that terrific but I was, I grew up at a certain time and Aaliyah was mm -hmm. everything for me. Mm -hmm. I, I still remember where I was when Aaliyah well, died, you know? Good news though. Uh, uh, AMC bought the whole Anne Rice catalog. So Mayfair Ooh. Witches is coming in yeah, the new year. Yeah, I saw that. I saw um, that. And, and I have to believe that like this Alexander is Alexander Daddario is going to do a good job. This is not the only uh, Vampire Chronicles uh, story, whether it's contained in this show or yeah. or separated out. But this feels like their new Walking Dead to a degree. So, mm. yeah, there's some very cool ones in the in the Chronicles. You know, the ones I'm familiar with. There's a handful that are very very good books. So I'm excited. Yeah, even I I couldn't help myself because I'm reading the book, and there are some. There's a couple of characters that are introduced during the book that are neither in the movie or uh, the television show, and so as I'm like. Oh, but and I'm like reading through and I'm like spoiling myself on future uh, Lestat uh, uh, books. But uh, there's a lot in there. It's, uh, she's built quite the world. So, yeah. um, LT, thanks so much for joining. This was great. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. having me. I, it's a really great show to uh, have as a little bit of buffer between uh, the Buffier? end of. 
Is that because she's a oh she, she what is, she's not a vampire she hunts How vampires she's a vampire slayer, slayer. I'm so slayer. what's gotcha, happening man. what are you doing here as we I, all we all know uh, oh, I'm gonna get roasted for this one. we all know about that show Buffy the Vampire Hunter I think. Buffy the Vampire, vampire Teenager slayer. right wasn't what, it what yeah. is going on oh no I'm dead I'm canceled I, I'm, I'm yeah canceled. I think you are I'm sorry uh but I'll let Josh know. <laughs> and okay. We'll see how to All proceed right. From there. Okay. I'll run it up the flagpole. Well, LT, uh, what else do you got going on, and where can people find you? Um, so a lot of fun things. I'm doing the Andor podcast uh, with this guy, DM Philly, and Brennan Fitzpatrick. We're having a good time discussing uh, television's best show at the moment. Mm. Um, in my humble opinion. Um, I am working with Ariel and you, Grace, to finish yes. out the haunting of Mike Flanagan because I always say it's barely even a podcast if Grace is not there. Oh, well, thank you. Midnight <laughs> uh, Club. Midnight so fun. Club. Yeah, we're gonna meet. We're recording at midnight, right? Yep, midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm also um, going to be around for another round of verses. We're going mm-hmm. to have. Uh, we're going to be p- comparing the show we talked about often here, House of the Dragon, with uh, Lord of the Ring, The Rings of Power. Uh, that's coming up. Me and Josh and Mike Bloom will be doing that. Then, of course, I am covering the final season of Atlanta with Mari Forth and Chappelle. Um, that's been really interesting. We'll have a podcast out for you all that, for that soon. Um, and then, yeah, I'll be working with Grace coming up pretty soon on yeah. um, some crown coverage. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, you're going to join me for the the season five premiere. And mm-hmm. then we're going to have an exciting announcement at the end of that podcast. I think people yes. are very, very excited about. So that should be. I'm excited. Fun. So yes. get excited. And if you yes. want to know what I'm doing or see what I'm up to, you can follow me on Instagram at Stormborn1222. Or you can follow me on Twitter at LK Starks. Uh, amazing. Rich, what about you? Yeah, Andor is as good as Latanya is telling you. You guys should go check it out. It's really been awesome. Uh, one more House of the Dragon book club with uh, Mari and, and yourself and Taryn. And we're bringing yes. in uh, the big man himself, Josh Wigler. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk about what we thought about the end of the season now that we have concluded it. Um, and I'm doing this. Plenty of fun stuff to come. You can find me on Twitter at DM Philly. Go give me a follow over at twitch.tv slash DM Philly. And you can catch me playing Dungeons and Dragons, some other tabletop role-playing games, uh, occasionally when I may have time. Uh, amazing. Yeah, Mike and I wrapped up our House of the Dragon coverage, but I'm sure I will pop up here and there on the post-season uh, coverage, including uh, the Book Club pod. Uh, Aaron and I cover movies each week. This week, uh, we covered... Uh, what did we cover? How Hall- was it? Halloween ends? And then it was that last week. Uh, I'm all over the yeah, place. Yeah, last week was Halloween ends um but we have lots of fun uh, stuff this this week i i know what we're co- we covered uh ticket to paradise and black adam uh and next week we'll be covering a tar the cape lancha film and banshees of any sharon so that should be great um lots of there's so many movies this fall uh it's it's ridiculous um and i have a, a board game show over on rob as a podcast over on the twitch and youtube channels where we play a board games called roll call we played clue recently we played settlers Catan, and we played the game of thrones board game and we'll be back in november 
Twitter with another episode of that. I'm on Twitter at High From Grace. Don't forget to subscribe to the feed of pushrecaps.com slash vampire uh, rate and review would be much appreciated. Um, and we will be back next week with our episode six coverage, the penultimate episode. I, I don't have the uh, the title of the episode yet, Rich, so we can't play our game of me telling you what the name of the episode <laughs> is. I don't know what it's called. Um, so we'll have to wait and find out. So until then, struggle. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.